Welcome to Occult of Personality, esoteric podcast extraordinaire at occultofpersonality.net. I'm your host, Greg Kaminsky, and your co-host is Rudolf Berger. This is episode number 195, featuring an interview with Gabriel McCoffrey, founder of Anathema Publishing Limited and author of Aurora. This is a special two-part episode, and you'll find the second half available at Rudolph's Thoth Hermes podcast at www.thothhermes.com. A Cult of Personality podcast is made possible by you, the listeners, and by the subscribers to chamberofreflection.com, our membership site. Anathema Publishing Limited quality occult books and contemporary esoterica established in 2011 anathema publishing aims to provide superior literature in content and form by creating a trinosophic relationship in troth and gabo between publisher author and reader Anathema Publishing produces refined books for the true bibliophile on topics ranging from Gnosticism, traditional craft, alchemy, hermeticism, witchcraft, to Luciferian theosophy. www.anathemapublishing.com On May 1st, 1776, Adam Weishaupt founded the Order of the Bavarian Illuminati. Weishaupt's goal for the Order was to elevate society with the virtues of public education, the ideals of the Enlightenment, and the general liberty of humanity. In short, Weishaupt sought to illuminate the world. Now, over 240 years later, and for the first time in history, the collected works of Adam Weishaupt are being professionally translated into the English language and published in a 24-volume set produced by Malta Minerval Editions. To celebrate the 242nd anniversary of the Order's founding, we are pleased to announce Volume 1, Number 1, of the collected works of Adam Weishaupt will be available for pre-sale at MaltaMinervalEditions.com beginning in May 2018. To learn more, visit them on Facebook and Twitter at username Malta Minervil or at MaltaMinervalEditions.com. A Cult of Personality podcast is also sponsored by Miskatonic Books, an online store that focuses on the esoteric, occult, ceremonial magic, Freemasonry, Rosicrucianism, witchcraft, the Golden Dawn, as well as dark fantasy, classic horror, and supernatural fiction. They carry books by all your favorite esoteric publishers as well. Just visit MiskatonicBooks.com. Our guest tonight is Gabriel McCoffrey, founder of Anathema Publishing Limited and the author of Aurora, an exploration of the author's devotion to mystical alchemy, replete with cryptic verse, beautiful production, esoteric art and symbols, all synthesized in an act of devotion to the quest for the great mystery. McCoffrey's book, like all those he produces for Anathema Publishing, is an exemplar in terms of modern esoteric publishing. The artwork, fonts, paper, and book craftsmanship are exquisite. 
Aurore brings the tradition of cryptic alchemical texts into the 21st century with grace and beauty. Gabriel McCoffrey is the founder, editor, publisher, and contributing writer to Anathema's Pillars Periodical. Gabriel has fully overseen the creation and publishing of several well-respected esoteric titles, including Craig Williams Entering the Desert and Cult of Golgotha. A pilgrim in the mystery tradition, Gabriel is deeply fascinated with all subjects relating to alchemy, hermeticism, and the nameless art. Aurore is Gabriel McCoffrey's first published manuscript, a tome which correlates directly with Anathema Publishing's mandate, along with his unique views and methodologies on alchemical bookmaking. This is very much a continuation in the spirit of his previous contributions to the Pillars Occult Periodical and elsewhere. But within Aurore, these concepts are fully developed and actualized. Aurore is your first published work, is that correct, Gabriel? Oh, yeah, yes. As far as like a full manuscript, as far as like a, yeah, um, a book from, yeah. it, it used to be two books actually uh, at the beginning, like a, upon conception of, a, of the book, it was supposed to be two different projects which again uh, kind of weaved, uh, went back and forth as with everything uh, alchemy related, uh, you know, and, and then like the, these two projects just made so much more sense when they were put together. So I discarded the notion of like having to work two different fronts. It just meant that each and every section of the book would be dramatically different and it was fine by me. So, so yes, it's my first uh, published book. Yeah. Nice. And it's, as you alluded to just now, it's anything but a typical book. Uh, it's it's difficult, I think, to describe in a lot of ways, but uh, I'm going to ask you anyway if you can describe it for the listeners because uh, it's, again, it's it's unique in many ways. Uh, yes, um, it, it, it is unique. I, I wouldn't know. I don't tend to compare it to other works and and I see a lot of like, of course, I see, you know, if, if only stylistically, I see a lot of like, of my own, where the inspiration comes from and influences. So, of course, I, I, I would, you know, um, say that the first part is influenced by this or that. And, 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 and the second part is very much different. But in my head, on the way I conceptualize it, it's truly like an exercise in deconstruction also. So not only is it like kind of like a journey uh, it, it's also an unfolding formula, hence why uh, it kind of like any formula, uh, you would have like your kind of like a part, which is like the ingredients, which are by themselves kind of like not, not necessarily useless, but if you don't know how to operate with them, uh, you know, in a good way, then it's kind of like a, it's just like a dry goods and it, you can do much with them. And then after that, you have like some processes you know, working the magic so that eventually it actually uh, comes full circle and and then you get like a sense of revealing uh, towards the end. Or that's how I see it anyway. So that's why the book is really divided into three uh, three distinct books, uh, three categories and uh, also stylistically speaking. So after like, the, the you know, the introduction and all that good stuff, uh, there's truly a poetic part, which is, more than just like it's really I, I i need to stretch how it's mystical poetry in a sense because none of it uh, has, has come to me through any other outside um context than say ritual or meditation and uh, and afterward that's when i would go back on it and then investigate uh, like further like uh, whatever came to me and, and then i would cross-reference this and, and and see what you know see how it stick with other notions and and kind of like building it from the ground up like this and and still to this day this entire portion of the book actually still reveals a lot to me i still learn new stuff each and every time i go back on it which is fairly fascinating in and of itself because yes i did write it but it it holds like a, a tons of mystery for me still 
and then like the the medium like the the middle section if you will then that's how i i i needed um i felt it needed like kind of like a, a philosophical uh grounding to the work that i would have to establish a few of my well, yes inspiration influence and where i i come from uh from the background and you know what you know so in a in a more mundane way if you will talk about the underlying ontology behind the work uh, hence why you have like uh, also kind of like a glossary like a, a of terminology at some point that, that are explained through my lens through my perceptual lens if you will and through the, the, my praxis which leads to the third part which is uh, a practical part but i didn't want to go the pseudo kind of like making a new grimoire thing because I don't believe in such a thing. Uh, I, I, I don't believe you can, like, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm serious. I'm seriously just tuning into uh, the various facets of what speaks to me at a deeper level. And then I was just expounding upon uh, and, and elaborating on what I did, but not necessarily in a way to underline that you should do the same. Or that uh, you know this is uh, something that is easily reproducible for everybody, and that will be uh, bear this X amount of result. It's it's nothing like that. It was truly the, that's why I decided to write it as a third person instead, as if it was like a, a journey that you were reading more of a of a diary. And um, and indeed, like at the end, uh, the way to wrap all of this uh, this up uh, suggests that. This methodology as a whole has a lot to provide only if you take it for yourself and make it yourself as well, like or or actually adapt it in such a way that it'll speak to you uh, and not necessarily want to emulate somebody else's work, if you understand what I'm saying here. Sure. May, may I take a step back before we go deeper into the book? And I already wrote down two questions in response to what you just said that would interest me. But um, the book itself, uh, I would like to explain a bit to our listeners what we have in hand here because, well, good, but unfortunately, this is a limited edition uh, and I hope that more people will listen to this podcast who have not yet had it in hand. So I would like to tell them about it because it's a beautiful book as... I must say all the books that I know by your publishing company, but we will come to that later. Um, but it's a beauty because it is not only very tactile and, and you, you like to hold it in hands. It's a nice size, not too big, not too thick, but just right. And it has a beautiful cover with that golden on some brownish um, linen, I guess it is, cover. And in the inside, we have all those... Um, well, what would you call them? It's a mixture of pictures, sigils, if they are, um, um, illustrations, which I believe were all done by yourself, weren't they, Gabriel? Well, no. Uh, very yeah. important to make the distinction. Actually, mm -hmm. uh, hence why, um, you know, like um, at the beginning, like it's, uh, it says, like the, the whole book has been illumined uh, by or illustrated, if you will, by Jose Gabriel Sabogal. And, okay. and um, he's, um, he's a Peruvian uh, um, art artist that mm -hmm. I've been working with uh, truly in conjunction, say, for the past four years or so. He actually submitted a piece to, I believe, the second, the very second issue of Pillars back in 2013. Yeah, something like that. And... Um, and I fell in love with his style uh, from the get-go, and I knew that I wanted to work with that that man. Um, not only his his style is genuine and and really uh, yeah speaks to me, and but also is um, a direct int uh, or or a wink, if you will, to to a style of the past that I absolutely adore. Uh, which you know all the like alchemical engraving uh, engravings and stuff like that. It, it's truly it's truly the my favorite style of uh, of illustration. And hence, if I was uh, going going to work on a book that was uh, heavy in alchemical undertones, well, you know it was a perfect match. But mm -hmm. you know to approach him with the idea 
and then say it's going to be, first of all, a work in progress because the, the manuscript was not over at this particular point in time. Uh, I just sent him whatever I had at the moment. I was like, if if ever you resonate with the material, please do consider working with me. But he took it in such a way that I've never seen any artist that usually accept commission uh, does. He took it as his own project, pretty much. He, um, he uh, took the time and effort, and we went through many uh, separated rituals, him in Peru and and I in Montreal, but but still we were working the same material and uh, like um, absorbing uh, the knowledge and, and really going back and forth on a, reg- a very regular basis with many many ideas and enhancement and ways to and so you would sketch and sketch and sketch endlessly and then I realized after a while I was like whoa this is like if I have to sorry to say but if I have to pay for this at the end I'm never going to be able to to afford this like it's just a reality uh because it was creating way too much and being like uh, so invested and dedicated into this and so i plain offered him i was like at this point you know uh all in all this book took me 10 years of 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 practices and and writing down and and chopping and parts that meant no like hadn't make no sense anymore and kind of revising and all that good stuff and he spent the last four of these with me really giving it is 110% if you will. So I plain offered him that we would split uh, all the royalties if ever that book was going to be published half and half as we would do like, but you know, if it was co-authored in a way, because I felt like his input and his, his, his visual, his visual style really enhanced the entire experience of the book and there is a lot also in there i'd say like there are hidden keys for for people whom they have a sensibility more toward like the visual they'll find that through the symbolic uh implication of each and every plates there's truly other mysteries and kind of like another formula that you you can kind of like unearth from that uh, and um, so, yeah, he's a solid, a solid guy. I, I absolutely adored uh, working with him. And now that's how we go at the, you know, even uh, splitting like uh, I feel it's both our baby, if you will, <laughs> in a weird way. And he's very proud of the end result as well. We've been like very thorough um, uh, presentation wise. And that's why at, at the, the very end, you also have like a piece of his like he he felt like he needed to write a few pages just to explain a bit more his input and his way to kind of like tackle the, the whole of uh, Aurore uh, experience. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So I guess my, my reaction is that the, the book, like to echo Rudolph is beautiful, mm-hmm. very well put together. The artwork, as you mentioned, is just, incredible it's yeah. really astounding flabbergasting yeah very elaborate um use of symbols uh the color ver- and the black and white uh, it's just gorgeous like this engraving style that he uses um in many of the illustrations uh it's just really really nice uh, oh yeah in many ways i feel like it's i'm almost yeah i'm all uh, I'm tempted to say I'm completely undeserving to have like such a beautiful <laughs> uh, first book in a way, but, but you know, it's a lot of work. So yeah. I'm, I'm yeah clearly. And, I, and I think the other part is um, as I read it and as I, even as I look through it uh, now that strikes me is that um, it comes across to me as a reader as a very cryptic work mm. i mean the overall theme is obvious but the the details and the implications and what you're conveying is not really straightforward in a sense of a like a you know a typical work that that we might be looking at it reminds me very much of like the old alchemical books Mm -hmm. with the the illustrations with the text that 
uh, is doing, it's almost like it, the text does its best to convey the, the concept, but because the concept is not straightforward, the text sort of has to mirror that in, in many ways. So you, well, absolutely. you, you nailed it. Uh, you get uh, this sort of mythopoetic sense of, of the description of your process or journey or what have you. But it, in many ways, uh, it's not, it's not overtly clear exactly what you did to produce the work or what reading it is going to produce in terms of effects on the reader. It's all very mysterious. Well, yes. I mean, like there's, there's, well, you nailed it when you said that it, it's a direct, like, uh, again, um, it, it, it comes from a tradition, which is, uh, I'd say willfully veiled in such a way that, uh, it's not ne necessarily an easy read. Um, and also you have a pour, put a lot into it yourself to decipher like, uh, the many keys and uh, the many, uh, like, I mean, mysteries and puzzles in there, but also that, um, you need to put a lot of like effort of your own, uh, perception to kind of look at the grand picture and then determine what it did for you or didn't do for you. Um, in that work, it's pretty much why it's also called the royal art. You know, it's the royal art in a way that it is art. And, and it is, it is also, um, I paint up with broad strokes with this, but there's a lot of like minute details that you can either kind of like miss altogether from your first read through or, or constantly go back to see like if, a, if there's more to be unheard there. And, um, and much as like uh, somebody who watches a, a painting or reads a text, actually, uh, or any work of poetry too, uh, poetry and, or a movie, uh, each of us will individually have our own uh, experience and kind of like uh, interpretation of the work. And that was precisely the point. The, the point of the work was not necessarily to impose my own uh, interpretation of even my own work. I wanted to... And I believe um, where perhaps I fell, but I believe what is the redeeming kind of like or or more clear cut, if you want, a part of the book is truly like the conclusion where that's where I am a bit more straightforward into explaining uh, what that meant, what that did for me, at least for me, always. Uh, and, and, uh, and then going uh, so far as to suggest appendices, with a, a bit more uh, of the alchemical lingua thrown in there for people who are versed in, in such terminology and enough so to be like, ah, okay, I get that and I get that, but I'm, I'm kind of unsure about this part, which is perfect for me because I don't need to explain everything. Uh, it's not the point to explain anything either. It's kind of like it is uh, purposely, and it says in the book also, it says in the book right from the, from the onset, in the, in the introduction and right at the, at the end also, it is purposely vague at times because I want to, the ultimate goal of the book even revealed itself to me as I was going through redaction. So it's kind of like a weird uh, looping on itself experience to kind of like discover more about the whys and hows that you're doing this as you're doing it. Um, so in a sense, it's a very peculiar, like experience, uh, th this whole thing. And, um, I just want to say that this whole book being, being vague, I hope does not deter some, some people because I believe there's a lot of like intriguing material. And my point was to, first of all, be as inspired as I can be, uh, through my devotional praxis to, uh, my use of language and of like cryptic language also and, and i wanted to convey that same inspiration so in a way uh it's a passion it's got a passation or um, um passation is not a good term in english but it, it's a given of that same spark of inspiration onto other people so that ultimately 
you understand that applying uh, such processes into your life or such a systemized way to understand or to better know yourself through that by first de deconstructing your entire experiences was because that's precisely what I did. And I often acknowledge that there is limitations and there is, there's limitation to language uh, in trying to put these into words. So it's almost impossible. Hence why it's relatively vague. And, um, but yeah, nonetheless, once that is absorbed, hopefully you can shine as being a beacon of inspiration yourself. That's, precisely my what I wanted to convey is that first if there is some form of, of, of alchemical transmutation within then you you are eventually going to radiate outside this energy and you'll also apply art just just art with a capital a to your life and you'll say become art yourself and then inspire other so that this a radioactive energy, if you will, passes from one person to another. So indeed, some, some people will be uh, more intrigued about like the second part or the first part or the illustrations or, you know, the weird kind of like creative, like ritual part. That's all fine. Like if there's anything, if there's any goal to be kind of like dug up through that process, then then I would have succeeded like uh, if only in the slightest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And um, it, this is maybe a, a comparison. I'm not sure if you will agree with that, but I can only convey to you how it feels to me. It's more a feeling than than anything else. Um, I get the feeling of, of being a bit um, a modern version, not in its aim, but in its style and form and approach mm -hmm. of the uh, of the ancient book of the dead uh, in ancient Egypt, maybe more the book of gates because that's more that type of style with the combination of uh, visual art and those texts that for me, I that book to me is not a book that I will sit down and read. Uh, it's a book that I will take back again and take one page, one page after the other or one double page after the other to kind of like a base of meditation on that mm -hmm. text. Sure. And um, I think that's what you did yourself, but that's what it does to me. And I get the same experience when I go through the Book of Gates, for example, um, those ancient Egyptian texts. Is that something you would also agree to, or do you see your approach completely differently? Well, yes. And uh, funnily enough, I don't know if it's the the, the, uh, the, the same uh, work, but um, when I was like uh, working with Shani for for the preface of the book, um, she actually mentioned that this, the very same thing. So I, I'm guessing I must have like uh, tuned into a certain uh, uh, style there. So, but yes, I mean, like for me, um, the closest thing to even though, of course, like uh, like you said, like stylistically speaking, it's much closer to say, like for me, when it comes to like the poetry, Jakob Bohm, uh, and and um, these type of like old alchemical work or Nicolas Flamel, and and so it's that's as as far as like the the language, as, that's for sure. But but yes, you you're you're indeed right that this this mix of uh, of presentation. Well, you know, to me, like. Uh, the the most modern book, you know, one unquote. I don't know if modern is a good term, but would be uh, uh, Carl Gustav Jung's The Red Book. You know, leave mm -hmm. it know it. That's that's that that you know that book uh, really struck me when I when I read it because I read it and I was already more than halfway uh, into the book because the the, the, the reedition or the edition that I bought was relatively recent. And, and it's just like it's it struck me because I, I've always been a, a huge fan of like the of Jung's like later in life work, which you know uh, was leaning a lot into the alchemical and the mystical, and and the hermetic and gnostic and all these beautiful subjects that I absolutely adore. And um, and uh, yeah, when I read a Liber Novice, I was like, well, <laughs> it truly felt like this one was, you know, my own search of say a sophic stone through. Through Orai is was was uh, somewhat close to um, his interpretation of dreams in the Red Book, 
So, uh, you know, the same would be attributable to any type of work in uh, presented in such a way. You know, the Red Book was, I believe, was not meant to be uh, read, uh, you know, health from, you know, a, a few select individual, hence why he didn't want it, you know, like Jung didn't want it to get it published while he was still alive. But, you know, upon reading it, it unlocked a lot of doors uh, within me also, and kind of also uh, grounded some of my own work in a more meaningful way. Uh, so, yeah, that was a, that was a shocking, a shocking revelation, but a, a good one. <laughs> yeah. Now, Gabriel, you, you wrote in the conclusion to the book about the way that um, your journey, which you chronicle, is really the journey to start your, your publishing house. Um, and I'm curious if, if you would call your book... Uh, like a representation of what you went through or or would you describe it more as the actual presentation of the journey itself? And I don't know if that distinction is clear, but mm. you know, one is one is merely like a uh, an artifact that that symbolizes the thing whereas in if it's a presentation it's it's really the thing itself showing itself to you and to us um you know in the same way that it affected you and i don't know if that's well the way i i understand what you're uh telling me right now and my mind might be off but if i had to kind of like uh dumb it down a bit i i guess it it would mean is it somewhat of like a only an historical account that say leads to a certain point in time where I started my company or, or is this an actual say uh, process that kind of like supersedes any type of like culmination and stand on its own as being a thing like, like, like you said, like, or a, a light, if you will. Uh, okay. So you I, talked about the inspiration. I'm just like, yeah. Reading it, this the inspiration is infectious. Uh, it spreads, uh, so it's almost like the the book contains a presentation of the process itself. Oh, yeah, it's a formula. It's it's supposed, a formula. It's, it's a like magical or or something like that's uh, not alive. Mm, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Like I said, like the the, the book is definitely like it's it's its own formula, and, and definitely there's a clear intent and there's a lot of put into it. And I'd say like the, um, the detail, it's, it's a, it's a tremendous detail for me, but nonetheless, the starting of the company was really like, um, kind of like in a way to show that, okay, so through cause and effect, of course, that's where I'm at now. And that's what it, it bring to me. And uh, also I'm a very pragmatic guy in a way. So I wouldn't go through all these intricate and cryptic systems and uh, cross-referencing and cross-pollinating, pollinating like a lot of like the the different like um, things I had uh, written aside of uh, through various operation and detail them in such a way uh, if there was no um, clear results. If if with the new data uh, in hand, then I could I could see if well first of all if there was any amount of success or failure through that process. So in a way, it's a very uh, magical process, uh, at least for me it was. But it's it's done in a way that isn't uh, classical, in a way that I don't necessarily work with spirits per se, or the way I do uh, uh, work with spirits is, I believe is somewhat a bit different, but that'd be like an unter a whole uh, other like conversation in and of itself. But uh, it is done from um, from a mystical standpoint. It is done from a more uh, inward, you know, uh, kind of meditation, working with, you know, about both laboratories of, you know, the within and the without. And, of course, the conclusion, explore more 
the laboratories of the without, really see if there's a kind of like reflection projection pattern. Well, okay, so that means in dry terms, here's what happened, you know, or here's you know the culmination of that particular work. And as as I also underlined at the at the ending, it is by far not an ending. If anything, it's more of a beginning than anything else. And it's also like it, the ending itself surprised me so much. So not just like what happened in my life, you know, the, these are uh, a massive de- uh, like details with massive implications, but nonetheless, at a, at a more uh, mystical level or, you know, inner level, there's so much more. Uh, we're talking about real, what well, I believe, real transformation and also to uh, acknowledge limitations. So it ends up on a note where I completely deconstruct as well the notion that uh, there was a reason why I presented stuff in such a way that I'm not, I'm there to say like, hey, you should do this or that because I am vehemently opposed to this uh, as a way to define myself because I'm completely into more of a student eternal mode. And I tackle the subject as well in the book, but student eternal as in, a student of the eternal, yes, but more in the line of eternally a student, mm-hmm. especially when facing the eternal. So this to me is not only kind of like trying to kind of like work on, on the ego side and humble myself before something greater. That goes without saying the holistic approach to any alchemical work is paramount, but but nonetheless, it, 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 that's not enough. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why you need... Uh, you know, it it made me realize how much I didn't know. <laughs> so so weirdly enough, I'm still I'm still struggling with a lot of like what what that entails and how now I'm supposed to move in time. And you know, if I you know go back to kind of like a more of chemical term, I'm truly entering it's it's it feels like a fermentation phase right now. So like the ending of the book truly ended up as a some type of union, some type of conjunction. So there was clearly things that went full circle to kind of combine in this chemical marriage and really like kind of like propelled me into like a second say second half of my life perhaps or or just like it, it was a pivotal point um, mm-hmm. but right now I'm almost I'm almost like re-questioning everything again um, really into like a, <laughs> a dark night of the soul of sorts but it uh, it was it, it was foreseeable in a way because I, I knew it as soon as I finished the book which in itself tells a lot about uh, the whole work which I believe is intriguing as well so if I can be intrigued as well I'm hoping people will be equally so. So alchemically speaking, are you at the end of the, well, I would say it's even three halves of your life, and you are, are at the end of the black phase turning into the white phase now, or are you already deep into the white phase facing the red one? Oh, wow, that's a really, really cool question. Uh, okay, so... Okay, so th- that's when, um, as much as you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not by all means. Sometimes I'm not like the, the best of experts in the field. Uh, far from it. I- I'm learning every day, hence why I'm a student. But I'd say, um, you know, there was an, uh, uh, like there was. It seems um, ins that I was. Well, at the end of Aurora, uh, of Aurora, I was. I was definitely more felt like in a. Albedo stage. It was way more of a whitening stage because it felt like uh, um, there was a, some sort of clarity and there was some sort of like uh, I don't know, like a all-encompassing light that made sense of everything. But but that light is, quickly faded away. So, but in a way, um, if you're familiar with the alchemical kind of like phases. Uh, often you will revisit what feels like uh, a second death. That's why I believe that right now I'd be entering my fermentation state, which is the second sort of blackening with, you know, with the, mm-hmm. the calcination, of course, which is all fire, which is like, okay, so you should either completely destroy or tame the ego and blah, blah, blah. But right now I'm almost like into like a more of a putrefaction of, or kind of like, 
Divine Tao, which is also like a, a, a particular part of the book where I expound upon the, the virtues of, of doubt in a holistic manner, um, is really a part of what I'm, I'm currently reliving. Because uh, if anything, like I said, um, instead of like putting me on a pedestal, that whole ending and that whole combination of the work just showed how little I knew, how completely we don't know much about anything really and how i am ill-equipped to act as well um which i i thought was uh, so amazing I, it, it wasn't at all a negative thing it just meant that the journey was still ongoing and that's the beauty of the journey so I, i'm still yeah I'm, I'm completely up for it and actually if i i'm going a, a bit ahead of myself because I've only just started working on it, but maybe maybe for a year, year and a half now. But I'm working on a, another book, of course, which is actually way darker in tone because mm-hmm. it, 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 it kind of like um, it begins where I left things off in a way. And, and funnily enough, I went with a color gradation kind of like theme in this one, you know, from the... Uh, from, uh, yeah, so, so, yeah, from the Negretto to the Rubetto stage. But... but and the next one, I'm really going more through the, you know, the typical, I'd say, or traditional seven phase uh, of alchemy with the hidden eight one. And, and I'm going to kind of like uh, go through my, um, through, through this work with my own take and uh, everything I wanted to keep from the first operations and uh, everything I want to discard. Actually, that's, uh, that's the only way. And I just stumbled upon the fact that I really see transmutation really not as in geared toward changing, but really more focused toward growth and evolution. And there is a distinction to be made there. And I believe nowadays, not to fall into like the modern narrative, but I believe everything is always kind of a aim more toward a change as if it was like just this magical thing, but not so much into evolution itself. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty much where my heart at it is right now. And the way I see things is all the information fetched, say when meditating uh, or or doing a ritual, which is kind of like a weird kind of in between because there is a there's indeed a meditative you know part to it always uh, that kind of like puts you in the the right zone, so to speak. But this one is more a bit more dynamic as you go fetch you know, for information willfully and. When I do so, all this information from these realms, you know, whether it's the mind that, you know, is seeking at, a, you know, in the realms of peripheral or horizontal level, if you will, of perception and the emotion or scanning, you know, the below, uh, what's with the abyss and all of this and the soul aspires to spirit. So all of these come into axial agreement, if you will, and and that I work with these influences and whatever that is bringing is distilled through the body. So hence why the body is so important. And, and, you know, that's where, you know, the noses cardio part comes into play because after that, it's very hard to put into words. It's like really a knowledge of the heart. So how are you supposed to translate that? Well, hence why now we fall into that. The reason why I feel like, you know, whether it be studying Jung or having my own Luciferian kind of like philosophy health, because then I, I'm, I will, I'm, I will fully know that it's going to be just partial revealing. But I know that the translation comes as a dialogue, say with your higher self, if you will. And the way I see higher self, I explain in the book, it's, it's part of you, yes, but it's also something else. And it's also part something exoteric, in this case, Lucifer, uh, or a light or a guiding mentor figure, if you will. And it's just, just enough so to make sense of the senseless if only temporarily. And, and of course, whatever will be put on paper after that is fragmented beyond, beyond anything. Uh, so that's why there's no easy answer for that. And I absolutely salute some people who can put this into very uh, regular terms and, and make absolute sense uh, for people to like, oh, discover something. But that's where, you know, either you fall into the more academic part of it or the more practical. So there's a, there's a gray zone there. And I, and, and like I said, I'm, 
I'm no no expert in the field to actually know where to draw the line between both. They, they're blurry for me. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Gabriel, I'm wondering if you might, if you're comfortable sharing with us and the listeners, uh, what some of the practices you did or do that bring about your work. Uh, I mean, you mentioned meditation, contemplation, ritual, and I'm curious, is there a, any sort of familiar structure or program or um, oh. anything that, that we might recognize as familiar? Well, I believe like, uh, I mean, if you've read the book, the, you, you know, like the terminologies used are by no mean necessarily, uh, they're not of my own making. There's a few terms here and there that are, that felt they come to me through transmission of sort and literally trans as in trans and, and transmission. And, and, and these became like, I'm like, like I say, like imperative to like, say, call something, something, uh, because anyway, names are ultimately uh, pretty much irrelevant, but you know, you do need, uh, some kind of like appellation if you refer to a force or yes, a system for instance. But yeah, um, at the beginning, um, at least symbolically speaking, I work. So where to start? Because that's a loaded question. Um, as far as the rituals are concerned, it's pretty much, okay. So there's a three part. Okay. I'm going to go at it like this. Uh, so yeah, alchemy, as far as like a system is concerned to me is, uh, the more, the one that speaks to me the most, but is also the one I understand better because it is loaded with symbols and hence so you can work a lot with these symbols. And so like uh, the, the various stages of transmutation, of course, the various color schemes, the various uh, um, terminologies used, these uh, these create the bulk of um, the language, say, that I use. Now, as far as um, approaching any type of ritual work, I must say that, uh, and also that that's truly just me being very honest with what resonates with me. So it's kind of hard to describe. It's kind of like describing uh, a musical taste for some people. Like uh, you, you like country music and say, I love black metal. Uh, how are you? How are we going to have this debate on which one makes the most sense? It's going to be hard. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I don't know if it speaks to me at a spiritual level, at a blood level, at a or just opinion wise, I don't know, but I do find, um, I do find, uh, that, you know, everything related to traditional craft and I became enamored with, you know, the writings of, uh, of Shani Oates and, uh, and the Cochrane, uh, tradition, uh, whilst I was working on anatomy publishing as well. And, uh, and so the way to say, conduct any type of like very creative, like ritualism, because of course, I'll put a lot of myself into it. Hence why the contemplation part you were referring to is paramount because that's absolutely during these times that these particular contemplative uh, parts inform on what I'll do mm -hmm. via a ritual. But to go back to it, some of the processes of a traditional craft to me are very appealing and I like it uh, for their versatility. And I guess, Culturally speaking, it speaks to me too. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing. And also, I, I don't dismiss the um, the kind of like psychological analysis that is <laughs> absolutely needed when you're engaged in these things. Because if you don't keep that in check, well, I believe you can lose yourself completely and get kind of like lose track of like uh, the mundane, uh, which I do not want to do. Also, I want to, you know, like I said, alchemy is a balancing tradition. tradition. So... I just want to bridge the gap through all these various facets to create some sort of, some sort of uh, internal harmony for me, for me, enough so that this internal harmony will have defect, uh, direct reflection in the external as well. Uh, and so I don't know if that answered your question because I feel like I could answer it like in so many ways, but operations that I do, well, some of them are described in the book, of course. But, uh, you know, operations are rarely reproducible, or I found, uh, because each have their distinct usage, which actually shifts or change along with the changes that I that is operating within. Uh, so each and every time, of course, you can absolutely make some tweaks here and there, according to newfound, you know, information and insight. 
but you know, like the results really are super easy to verify, you know, on the light of success or apparent failure, plain and simple, you know, but re redoing the same operation twice is not necessarily something I do, but I did so in the past, of course. And I did so sometime accompanied with, with other, other people. Um, and yes, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not fond of a particular system per se, but it, uh, symbolically speaking, not being at all into first into the Kabbalah and stuff like that necessarily at a deep level, uh, you know, like the tree of life, of course, is like kind of like, uh, something you cannot avoid, <laughs> say per se. Uh, and, um, and, um, yeah, so like, uh, I touch upon, uh, a lot of things admittedly. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, I am now going to take you up on, upon a word that you said already three or four times, if I counted right, which is deconstruction. And of course, one could take that word in the alchemical context and it makes absolute sense. Sure. But I feel that you are using it because this is also a modern book for me. It's not mm -hmm. some uh, some book turned to the past to to re to reveal an old an old story. It's a it, it's a book that is turned to the to the present and to the future. So you called it an exercise of deconstruction at some point. Yeah. And this reminds me a lot of modern art. Reminds me a lot of the way artists, visual artists, but also writers, painters, um, well, painters are visual artists, but also musicians, etc., are approaching the art forms they, 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 they practice. Um, so exercise of deconstruction, and then in another moment you said, what does this for me when I do it? Again, this is very much an approach a contemporary artist would take towards the work he does so is this also would you would you also see that kind of approach in it is it also for you a little bit a piece of art and if so what art would we be talking about mm, it absolutely is a piece of art because in the broadest sense uh Everything is art, you know. Uh, I absolutely. Yeah, you are getting contemporary art, aren't you? <laughs> oh yeah, but I absolutely see. Well, perhaps so, but you you'd be the the expert in the field. I wouldn't. Uh, I, I I absolutely uh, adore uh, art, and and mostly mostly I say like uh, <laughs> with brackets, uh, but mostly all of its form. But nonetheless, like I I, I see uh, I see life as being yes a huge art form in and of itself. And and the deconstruction part, of course, comes to it comes it always comes down to even your your, your you know uh, your screen name you know Noiti Saitan or, mm -hmm. or uh, Noiti Ipsum. It's it's really about knowing yourself, and I believe or I found that the only way to do so is kind of like slowly deconstruct everything you thought you knew or everything you assumed uh, and. And I found that the, the the veil of illusion is so thick nowadays, and even through the the various control system within, that this is why I chose to go the deconstruction route, if only to simplify matters, which, funnily enough, seems overly cryptic and complex when put on paper, uh, because it is my own uh, take on how I went to. Uh, kind of like go at elaborating and deconstructing the blueprint as I was going as I was going through the various motions of these phases. So, so yeah, it's a it, it is a mysterious process. It's definitely an artful process, but the the deconstruction part. Oh my! It's a, it's the only way to humble yourself in front of the of, of the grandeur of it all if you will. And, and, uh, you know, at the beginning, I don't know if you guys recall, but in the introduction, then I touch upon a couple of Gnostic, uh, kind of like, uh, precepts, if you will, principles. And, and in that intro, well, I touch upon say, arconic, um, influences or spirits that could, could be constituted, say, if you see them under a certain light or certain heretical light in my case, um, 
then of course they become kind of like control systems you want to overcome. And, and I, I don't see them as being necessarily exoteric entities more than something I really have to uh, understand better about myself. These are self-inflicted restriction, restriction. It's just like I put a face and a name on the target in a way or upon these kind of like barriers and boundaries in a way that perceptually speaking, I can focus my attention on certain archonic influences which can be detrimental to my overall evolution or growth and then focus on these. But of course, like, it's not necessarily easy. And you would also see like another well-known kind of precept into this particular way of doing things or a particular way of deconstructing is truly a sacrifice of the self to the self. So it's, it's really like, um, I'm not into Norse mythology by any means. Like I'm not very, I know a bit of it, but but I know it's it's very Odinic in a way. Uh, that whole you know p- principle or um, or motto, if you will. But yeah, it's, I I believe I I work in such a way to by deconstructing the, the everything that is the surface level and going very deep into uh, like kind of like going to the simple core of it. Then less and less do I need to go overly cryptic and overly complicated. Hence, perhaps I will be reflecting in my future works as well. Uh, I hope so. I certainly do. And, um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I see this as if it was like a, a tiny garden, you know, like a garden of the possible. And you're just seeding uh, micro moments, you know, of reflection here and there, meditation, contemplation, a couple of rituals. And, and hopefully you kind of like nurture that garden enough so that you almost hope to find a sh- shards of your own philosopher's stone you know, someplace into it. But because these these micro moments really like they're they're fusing and, and separating and merging yet again, they influence everything. They they they, they truly become like uh, what you see as a manifestation in the microcosm actually. So this this entire like dichotomy and paradox and interplay, uh, as long as it holds this light of fascination for me. I will keep on pursuing and perhaps the route I took this time might not be the one uh, that I'll take next time. I, I, re- I believe like if I remember correctly, uh, at some point I mentioned, you know, uh, in the book that um, the goal is certainly not to accumulate some sort of, uh, of Gnostic treasures or, or treasures of Gnosis and, and to accumulate like quote unquote spiritual wealth. That I don't believe that's, that's the, that's the way to go at it. It's it's uh, important to acknowledge uh, whatever you you found, but you need to have like a huge, huge, huge like a huge questioning and discernment uh, into not wanting to become too greedy, become like a dragon-like figure on top of this spiritual mountain of gold, if you will. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that to me uh, is the way I see heartfully. Artfully, I mean, uh, and artfully, but like my life's work uh, going on. Hence, why it needs to tie in. And but we can discuss this a bit f- further on. But that's why it needs to have like an uh, an external mode of expression too. You know, the company is one aspect of it, but of course, there's so much more. Um, but as any uh, alchemist always used to do, uh, and I'm not traditional by any means. Uh, is saying this because I don't believe it's just the transmutation of metals that say is the external part of it. The external part, I believe, can be artfully uh, uh, applied or applied to everything, uh, or that you put enough energy and passion in a holistic manner too. Uh, as long as there is an external manifestation of whatever is happening internally. So. Mm-hmm. The intro music is Awakening by Paul Avgerinos, and the outro music is Tending the Light by Ghosts of Maine. Remember to catch the second half of this interview with Gabriel at the Thoth Hermes podcast at www.thothhermes.com. In the Chamber of Reflection at chamberofreflection.com, Rudolph and I ruminate over the recent interview with Mark Stavish about his book on egregores in a rather interesting conversation 
about humanity's place in the scheme of things. And the members' Q&A with Frater Ashin Chasan has been recorded and should be available in early February. Finally, our discussion circle around P.D. Elspensky's excellent book, The Psychology of Man's Possible Evolution, is ongoing. And the audio of the third lecture with discussion questions will be ready soon. I'd like to remind you that although you're able to listen to this podcast at no charge, it costs time and money to create. We ask you to support our efforts and the creation of future podcasts by joining the membership section at chamberofreflection.com or subscribing via Patreon at patreon.com slash personality. And if you're already supporting the show or have done so in the past, my heartfelt thanks, and I salute you. Thanks for listening, and until next time.